Welcome to Annersbrook Church. We hope that this message from our senior leader, Brent Lieberzeit, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure that you subscribe or visit our website at annersbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Um, anyway, it's a privilege to be here. For those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Brent, and uh, my wife and I have been uh, senior Pastors of Annersbrook Church since 1994. That's a long time. And still loving it. Loving what God is doing among us. Loving what God is done doing through us. And uh, an absolute privilege to still be calling people to the central, you know, dynamic of life, which we believe is... God, right, through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I've been preaching that for nearly 40 years, and it still is relevant today. The Word of God has not changed in 40 years. Even though our culture is changing, the Word of God never changes. And uh, we've got to be very careful that we don't change with the changing tide of our culture. We stay with what the Word of God says. And, and so uh, anyway, that's not what I'm preaching on today. So let me get into it because I've got a really cool message for you. I, 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 um, a few weeks ago, I preached on the python, the python spirit. Does anyone remember that? Look, I'm not going to preach on it today because I preached it a few weeks ago, right? So, but I've got part two for you. And so um, one of the interesting, so if you haven't heard uh, the message on the python and you kind of get something out of today, I'd encourage you to go back to uh, online and um, try and look it up online under Annersbrook Church and you'll see it there on YouTube uh, and it'll be the first part of the message in regards to the python spirit. I want to talk about the python's eggs today, which is interesting, isn't it? But the python lays over 100 eggs in a person's life. Uh, not in a person's life, but 100 eggs. <laughs> <laughs> but there's an interesting dynamic. So, okay, so basically it was um, th- this was birthed out of a... Uh, a message that a pastor's uh, wife gave us, my wife and I, when we were in Auckland in May, and said, oh, there's a, we'd gone through a pretty horrific time with our house, et cetera, et cetera, and some other things not working out so well personally. And she kind of, through a word of knowledge, she said, look, you've got a python spirit around your life. And so I kind of dismissed it because I thought it was a bit over-spiritual because, you know, uh, I, I, I teach on... Um, the theology of demonology and leadership college when we were running our leadership college and I'd never heard of the python spirit before. You're now entering the twilight zone. Uh, and, uh, and so I kind of dismissed it and then it just kept nagging me, nagging me. So I thought, oh, well, I'll look it up because Google's a wonderful thing, right? So this is a few months later. I thought, oh, I'm going to look it up. Anyway, I found all this stuff on it. I was just like, what the heck? This is amazing. I'd uh, never heard, ever heard of it before. So, uh, so I talked about the python spirit. I want to talk about the eggs that the python lays and how it affects us in our lives in regards to spiritual matters. Uh, by the way, the scripture reference, for those of you who weren't at that uh, session, the scriptural reference is actually where this girl, slave girl, uh, is, um, who's a fortune teller, is 
annoying Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas are going off to pray. It's an Acts. Paul and Silas are going off to pray and, and, and uh, this girl had been tormenting, well, not really tormenting them, but been following them and crying out, uh, you know, these are the men of God. These are the sons, you know, the, a whole lot of stuff about, about Paul and Silas. Anyway, it got so annoying for Paul, he just turned around and rebuked the spirit. And it was a, the Bible says it was a spirit of divination. It's the only time that a spirit is actually named in the book of Acts. And it was named as a spirit of divination. Well, the Greek word for divination is python. That's where the word python came from. And so, uh, so that's, uh, you know, and so he rebukes the spirit and within the hour, the spirit had left this girl. And she was a fortune teller. She'd lost all her fortune telling abilities. And so the slave masters were very upset with, with Paul and Silas. They, they got put in jail. And then um, there's a whole nother story with all of that. But uh, the, here's another scripture in regards to the python. Uh, which I had never seen before either until I had uh, done some Googling. It's always good to Google every now and then. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 4. It says, No one calls for justice. This is Isaiah, uh, the prophet, uh, a prophet at the time. He's, No one calls for justice, nor does any plead for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity or sin. And it says, They hatch python eggs. And they weave the spider's web. He who eats of their eggs dies. And from that which is crushed or broken, a python breaks out. Wow, did you know that was in Scripture? That's pretty out there, isn't it? Uh, and, and so uh, there's this dynamic of the python egg. So the python lays the most eggs of any other snake and it lays over 100 eggs. And the conception of sin, in this scripture here, the conception is, because I'm telling you, our culture, man, like it's, 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 we're trusting in empty words and we're speaking lies. Uh, we're, we're conceiving evil, we're bringing forth iniquity. No one calls for justice anymore, nor does anyone plead for truth. No one wants to know the truth anymore. They're just, you, you, today, it, your truth is your truth. Like if it's true for you, then it must be true. We've got to have something, some kind of basis to that thinking, right? And that's why the Word of God is so good good in this current season that we find, well, it's going to be good every season. It's been good for 2,000 years, right? Uh, but it's got to be some, something that as people, and I know many people are coming into church life now. Many people are coming into church life and they're looking for truth. That's what they're looking for. And it's a pretty exciting season that the church is in. We're just, a, I think we're on the brink of revival status because of what's going on. Um, so the darker the world gets, the lighter the gospel gets, right? And the brighter the gospel gets. And so it can be a bad thing and it can be a good thing. And the bad thing is that we're getting, you know, things getting darker, but the good thing is that the light shines brighter in the darkness. Amen? Amen. Come on, you've got to, you know. This is intense, so you've got to be with me on this, all right? So the conception of sin in Isaiah 58 that I just read out is described here with being like a snake egg. It has, has to be planted, the snake egg, the snake. So Isaiah is referring to our mind. Where does truth come from? Where does deception come from? Where do lies come from? Actually, you know, the, the, um, someone once said that the, the mind is the devil's playground, Right, and probably many of you have heard that before, and uh, too often it's true. And that poverty, that python spirit, python spirit, 
wants to come around your life and try and rob you of truth. Uh, sin obviously begins in the mind, right? It does not begin as an action of the body or the soul. I, you know, it's not the devil made me do it. It's actually, no, it was my thinking caused, was the cause of the problem, even though the devil might have planted the thought like a snake egg, all right? We, we brooded over that egg and allowed that egg to hatch by continuing to reflect on and to meditate on and to think on that thought. Okay, so uh, the greatest battle for your soul is not in the heavenlies between angels and demons. The greatest battle for your soul is between your ears. <laughs> it's between your ears. The enemy works like a serpent. First appeared in the Garden of Eden as a serpent. As, um, and... Uh, uh, the, the interesting thing that the python snake, you know, lays so many eggs and, um, uh, and a python could well be laying eggs in your head. Okay so, okay, so just to bring an illustration in regards to that, so when the, the rains came and the floods came up and the house on the hill that we live in did not go, kind of go well, all right, so the hill came down. That, that was a bit of a song I just kind of recited just then but um, uh, so we've been out of it for over a year now but it, it really I think one of the biggest issues for us is it really messed with our heads so our mind was playing uh, a, a game of um, ang- anxiousness and a game of fear uh, it was you know I had to really battle against all of that because when you lose your home um, you know, the Word of God is still the basis of your life, but your home's still your home. And yep, maybe we hold dear to our bricks and mortar, that probably more dear to it than what we should, maybe. But ultimately, well, not, there's no but to that. That's probably true. Uh, and, you know, I guess in some ways, God's probably been teaching us something through it all, absolutely. Uh, the idea of, Adaptability has become pretty huge for us, you know, adapting to house sitting is fun. Anyone enjoy house sitting? That can be quite fun at times. Um, but uh, not having your own home is, uh, you know, that's there. Well, we've still got our home, of course, but we're not in it. Uh, it can be a bit of a difficult journey to handle, and part of the difficulty is actually the things that go on in your mind. And the doubt... Some, you know, the depression of it, the, believe it or not, anxiety, the fear, the worry, the concern, uh, what's going to happen, how's it going to work, and, and you overthink things. You know, two o'clock in the morning, you're overthinking things. I know none of you can, re, 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 you know, can kind of sympathise with me, because, um, uh, but, but, I'm just joking with that. But there is some um, dynamics that do take place when things around you aren't going all that well and maybe you're not something's not going well for you right now and uh, my heart goes out to you and I know how much it can affect your mind and I, and, and I found that actually you know who really cares about the house but I've got to care about my mind if my mind's not good then nothing's good and that's, that's a big issue, I think, that we've got to understand and work through. Whatever circumstance you're facing, whatever situation you're in, you've got to keep your mind healthy. You've got to get, keep your mind right. 
And, you know, a simple answer of that is I've got to keep my mind on the firm foundation of the Word of God. And the Word of God is everything to us. And the Word of God has so many promises for us, even in our weird situation, weird circumstance, but we still hold on to the promises of God. So what's the promises of God for your situation? You know, the Bible says nothing is impossible for those who are in Christ Jesus. Um, I've got to hold on to that. So, uh, and there's a whole lot of, there's 33,000 promises in the Bible. That's a lot. I can hold on to all of them, even in this situation, even in this circumstance. And so can you. So can you. And I'm not sharing this to say, why was, you know, just say, oh, you know, feel sorry for me, everyone. No, I'm sharing this because I feel your pain. I understand your situation. I understand the brokenness that we live in. And, uh, and I, I think that there is something that God wants to show me through it all. And he's still showing me through it all because our house ain't fixed yet. So I've still got something to learn, right? Is that right? Funny, isn't it, thinking like that? Okay, so um, the enemy loves to plant thoughts like snake eggs in your head. And if you don't deal with them, if you don't crush them, if you don't dig them out, those eggs will hatch and sin will become more than a thought. It will become an action. It always starts in, in the head. Thoughts become actions. When you th- what you think on continually, you will act on. Right? And your life will begin to move in the direction of the continual way you think. As a man or woman thinks, so they are or so they become. James chapter 1 verse 15 said, Every sin begins with a thought. It says this, For when lust has conceived, where? In the mind. It brings forth sin, where? Through the deeds of the body. And then sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death into the spirit. Uh, So it begins in the mind and then once you begin to think it, what you think you will begin to act out through the body and then that sin will begin to bring death to your spirit. The greatest battle for your soul is between your ears and if you don't deal with it, if you don't dig out those thoughts, if you don't cast down those thoughts, those thoughts will begin to grow. Just as the python mother has to get to the eggs and coil herself around those eggs as she uses her body temperature to cause enough heat to be over the eggs that the snakes will uh, stay alive. So the snakes will stay alive. That's similar to what we do, right? Right? Um, it's not sin to be tempted. You had an evil thought, you had a bad thought, you had a, a, a sinful thought, a wicked thought. That's not wrong. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Temptation is not the sin. So you, look, there are moments in our culture, in our time, you see things that you shouldn't see. We hear things we shouldn't hear. We have thoughts that randomly come to us. Things that come up, things that come up we can't control, but don't allow that thought to reside in your mind. Don't let it stay there and then hatch and grow. Someone once said you can't help it if a bird flies over your head, but you don't have to let it make a nest in your hair. 
Great thought. And that's how it is with thoughts. You really can't help random thoughts that go by, right? But what you can do is control how long you dwell on them and how long you allow them to reside in your mind. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, Whoever looks at a woman to lust after her, in his heart has already committed adultery. Many of you have heard that scripture, I'm sure. But when you have an unclean thought that hits you, that comes out of nowhere, that is regarded as what would be seen as a snake egg, that the enemy wants to entice you and let it become fully grown into sin. But we have to make a decision if you want victory over it, is to decide not to allow the enemy to incubate that snake egg by keeping that thought. So that the enemy wants control over your mind and you need to keep control of your mind. Okay, you with me? Okay, starts with a thought. I mean, you know, we used to sing this song. It started with a kiss. Never thought it would come to this. Uh, But the reality is, it never starts with a kiss. Never thought it would come to this. Never thought. See, that's a lie. It all starts with a thought. The thought starts first, then the kiss happens. The thought starts first, then you play out. The thought There's always the beginning. Whatever you look at, whatever you listen to, whatever you dwell on begins to incubate in your mind. And when you understand this, you understand why Job said in chapter 31, he said, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully upon a girl. I made a covenant with my eyes. Isn't that amazing of Job? Uh, What a great scripture. If there was ever a generation that needed that kind of scripture today, it is this generation. And we need to remind ourselves every day of our lives, I'm making a covenant with my eyes today that I would have bouncing eyes. Bounce, bounce, bounce. Come on. This is kind of like tough talk, right? But, and I'm not trying to be intense about it, or strong about it, well, I guess I am. Because I think it's a big point. And I think it's a big issue. And, uh, and I think it's a big issue in the church. Um, and so we've got to learn to have bouncing eyes. This, that second look is not the right thing to do. I've made a covenant. I've made a covenant with my eyes that I would not lustfully lustfully look upon the opposite sex. Imagine waking up in the morning saying, I'm making a covenant today not to look lustfully upon a woman. Guys, I'm talking about the guys. Tuesday morning you wake up. I'm making a covenant today. Wednesday, I'm making a covenant. Girls, you can make covenants as well. Whatever's going on in your life, whatever you're struggling with, I'm making a covenant today not to look. I'm not looking at social media if, if that's an issue. I'm not looking at at how many likes I've got on my posts. Mm. (laughs) Making a covenant with your eyes. The Bible said, Genesis 13, that Lot did not do this. Genesis chapter 13, amazing scripture. I'm not going to read it to you, but let me just tell you what happens. The scripture says that Lot lifted up his eyes towards Sodom and Gomorrah. 
And what, did it, what happened? He pitched his tent towards Sodom and Gomorrah. And then he camped at the gate of Sodom and Gomorrah. You know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah? You know, how stones from heaven because it was so wicked. And Lot was Abraham's nephew. And, uh, and, and Lot looked, up, looked towards Sodom and Gomorrah and saw that as his. And uh, then it says he lived in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And then his children married the inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah. And then his wife was so in love with the place that he lost her to the sins of that place. But it all started with him lifting up his eyes in Genesis 13 and seeing it. And it wrecked his whole life because he had never made a covenant with his eyes. Your eyes need to have a covenant on them. Have you ever decided about what you won't watch? Have you ever decided about what you won't see? And what you won't hear and what you won't listen to. I suppose that's the same as hearing, isn't it? Sorry, yeah. You need to understand your life will always move in the direction of the dom- dominant thoughts that you allow to reside in your mind. Control how long you look and how long you dwell. Control your thought life. What are you watching? What are you listening to? What are you saying? And the reason people are, uh, the reason why I put in what are you saying is often because out of the mouth come, uh, uh, you know, the, the heart speaks, right? What's, what's, what, what, what are you saying about things, about life? What are you saying about yourself? What are you saying about your situation, your circumstance? Does it align with the Word of God? The reason people are living defeated is because what they are feeding their minds on and the eye gate, the ear gate and the mouth gate uh, are extremely powerful and you will either lose the spiritual battle in the spiritual realm by what you look at, listen to and say or you will win because of what you're looking at, listening to and saying. Are you winning? Are you winning or are you losing? If you're losing, you've got your mind, your eyes, your ears, you're speaking on the wrong thing. So, uh, you know, one of the key things is there's a word called repentance in Scripture. Uh, Repentance simply means to change your... Yeah, that's what it means, to actually change your mind. I changed my mind about the lifestyle. When I came to know Christ, my lifestyle changed. I changed my mind about the way I've been living. I changed my mind about just casually playing and flirting with sin. I have had a change of mind. How do you know when someone's uh, made a decision for Christ? Because they put up their hand? No. No. I've had a change of life. A whole new way of living. It's, it's, it's different now to what it used to be. I've repented of that. I'm not going to touch that thing anymore. That's what happens in conversion. And if the python stops incubating those eggs, they will die. And if we don't hover over and allow those eggs to hatch and grow, those eggs will die. It's just a thought. That's all it is. Play it down. That's all it is. Just a dumb, stupid thought. Don't let it hatch. Let it die. Don't feed it. Stop mothering it. Ooh, that's a goodie. Stop mothering that thought. And Ezekiel, you're right, okay? You're like, you guys are kind of like, ah. Um, in Ezekiel chapter eight, there's one of the most amazing stories in all of the book. Well, it's kind of an out there story. Um, but it's one of the most astonish, astounding, astonishing things you'll ever see in Scripture. 
Ezekiel chapter 8. Probably never read it before, but let me tell you about it. It talks about 70 priests and how they had secret chambers in the temple that they had created. And they had put up a false wall in the temple and behind the chamber, behind the wall, uh, gives the first reference in scripture to pornographic paintings in the Bible. Have you read this? Real interesting. And they had drawn pornographic paintings on the walls, Scripture said, and they had idols that they were worshipping in the temple behind this wall. There were secret chambers actually in God's temple. And they were worshipping in the temple. And, uh, uh, and God said this in, in Ezekiel chapter 8. He said, they think I can't see what they are doing in the secret chambers that they have created, but I can see. In fact, it says, I have drilled a hole in the wall (laughs) and I can see what's going on in the darkness, in the secret chambers of the temple. Now look, our body under the new covenant is what? It's the temple. And what are we doing? We're doing, for some of us, we're doing exactly the same thing. We're building up these secret chambers in the temple. And if we're not careful, we begin to build these secret chambers and we compartmentalise our life. You know what I mean by compartmentalise? Like, this is my God day today, it's Sunday, but Monday it's my whatever other day. You know, like, it's not a good day. And we compartmentalise. That's why we can worship and yet still live in sin. But not yet really experience full conversion. Because full conversion is a change of mind. Our life has changed. Or life is changing, should I say. I'm not trying to bring us to a place of perfection or, or teach perfection. Yes, we fail. I want to t- help you. I want to encourage you to think about thoughts as being like python eggs that should not be incubated or, you know, or, or mothered. It's just... a. a, a a great way to understand the thoughts in your mind because too often we, we, we don't realise it, but we, we, we trap those thoughts in our mind and, uh, and they become something that we never wanted it to become. So God says, I have the capacity to drill a hole and I can see inside their secret chambers and I can see the darkness. And God can see. Now here's the amazing thing about the 70 priests. Um, let me tell you where they originated from. They were from the 70 elders who Moses chose to rule over Israel. They were the descendants of of those 70 elders. They were the helpers of Moses and they ministered to the congregation at that time. Catch this, but generations later, the children's children have secret chambers in the temple They started out pure and holy, but now they have secret chambers and they filled those chambers with darkness and pornography and unclean things and they are filling their eyes with it and their heart with it. And then you fast forward 17 generations and you go to Calvary and guess who it is that crucifies Jesus? It was a group called the Sanhedrin and the Sanhedrin were 70 men 
who were the, the, the direct descendants of the 70 elders that started out with Moses, helping Moses' ministry, building the kingdom of God, but in between, crucify, in between crucifying Jesus and starting out with the great hearts, pure hearts, you have these 70 priests who are creating and building these secret chambers that they were filling with uncleanness. And that's how far the evil thinking took them. They crucified Jesus. There's a scripture that says, why do you keep on crucifying me? Why do we keep on crucifying Christ? Um, we don't understand often how far evil thinking can actually take us. David walked out on a balcony one day. King David walks out on a balcony one day and what does he see? A UFO. An, un-id- well, an unclothed female object. And when he saw her, all he had was a thought. It was just a thought, but he thought that that thought became lust and the lust became what? It became adultery. And then adultery became what? Yeah, pretty serious stuff, right? And it all started with a thought. It didn't start with a kiss. It started with a thought. He never considered how far his thought life would actually take him. And we have to understand that we are visual beings, absolutely. Our mind paints pictures. If I say elephant, your mind can instantly think about what that is and what that looks like. If I said a red apple, because our mind's thinking pictures, right? And the enemy knows this. And our ears and our eyes are being polluted in this generation. The enemy is dropping thought bombs all the time. Here's another thought. Here's another thought. But it's no big deal if it happens once. But when you're listening constantly or watching over time, sooner or later, those eggs are going to hatch and that's how it happens. Be great if the effects of sin were instant, eh? You know, if it just happened instantly, like, but it doesn't. Um, You know, Pinocchio was a great example of that. You know, every time he lied, his nose grew. Remember the story of Pinocchio? You know, his nose grew. So like, what was it? That, that was a no-brainer. That was a lie, Pinocchio. But we can lie and nothing happens. We all kind of think, well, it, you know, we're all good. It's, it's nothing wrong with us. Um, you know, I kind of like, you know, I've looked at that or I've done that or acted out on that. And, oh, I can, no, it's still good. I'm all good. Right? Um, and uh, it's, not, it's not bothering me. It's not really affecting me. Um, I just did it and nothing happened. And that's a lot of what, you know, many of us say about the things that we get involved in or get, are looking at or, or hearing or listening to. And, you know, I did it and nothing happened. I, I got drunk, nothing happened. I went to a party, nothing bad. Lightning didn't hit me. I didn't get zapped. No, you know, nothing is happening. I look at porn, nothing's happened. But then the Bible says you reap what you sow. If you're going to sow something, you're going to reap something. If you keep thinking it, something is going to happen. They say, um, oh, I won't go down that track. Nobody gets by with nothing. If you are sowing to the flesh and you're hearing and listening, then you will reap the flesh. It may not happen overnight. It may not affect you just one night. But there's that, um, you know, that thing that you've been listening to over and over again, that music you've been listening to, that pornography you've been watching over and over again, they will manifest. Get your life driven by social media, that will manifest. Um, In fact, someone very close to me 
which I didn't even realize. I mean, she, you know, she's in her 50s, and uh, um, she, I didn't realize it, but she really struggles with social media, like really struggles and finds it hard to... Um, she knows that she can't go down that track anymore because she was always comparing herself, always comparing herself with what was being posted and their life compared with her life. And uh, it, was, it was messing up her, uh, her thought life, which was messing up her relationship with God. But anyway, good news. The same way you get in is the same way you'll get out. The same way you got in is the same way you get out. If you sow to the Spirit, doesn't happen overnight, still struggling with some things, just keep sowing to the Spirit. Keep coming to church. Keep hearing the Word. Keep worshipping. Keep praying. Keep sowing to the Spirit. You will reap life everlasting. You will get free. And the same way in, the same, the same way in is the same way out. It doesn't happen overnight, but it will happen. Grace of God on your life. If you're prepared to actually make some steps towards freedom, grace of God comes upon your life. Grace is the, is, is the power, the enablement to be able to do what God wants you to do to be able to deal with some of this stuff. And it happens here in your mind. It's all about the mind. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. Get the snake eggs out of your head by the renewing of your mind. Thought bombs of depression. Uh, I've had to learn this is actually warfare, people. This whole thing is warfare. We're in a spiritual battle and we just don't realise the effect that it has on us spiritually. So we just give up. And we give in to depression. And we give in to anxiety. And we give in to fear. But it's spiritual warfare. When, when, we're not just casting demons out of people when we're in warfare. We're actually dealing with our own life in warfare. Your life is, in, is warfare. It's not flesh and blood we fight against, but against principalities and powers of this dark world. We've got to believe it, understand it. We've got to recognise it for what it is. So, God, so Satan comes as, as, as a python, as Lucifer, as a serpent into the garden to tempt Eve. And what does he say? He brings doubt to Eve by saying what? Did God really say? Did God really say? And I reckon in our culture today, I think that's the biggest question of all. Did God really say? What really is the truth? Did God really say? And when Jesus first confronts the devil in, uh, you know, in the Gospels, right? He's in the wilderness and he's being tempted by the devil. Jesus turns to the devil three times. He says the same thing. Starts off with what? Very good, Paul. It is written. It is written. It is written. That is the answer to this culture today. That is the answer for your life today. You might be going, yeah, did God really say that? Did God really say that? Did God really, you know, when you, when you think about all the things, we're not going to go into the detail of all the things that are going on in our culture today. But here's the question. You might be questioning, yeah, did God really say that? I, I, I was just in a meeting with national church leaders on Tuesday. And, uh, and that was one of the biggest things that I felt was hanging in the air of our conversations as we were talking about some of the issues that were going on in our current culture. Because when you're with national church leaders, there are some national church leaders who don't even know Jesus. <laughs> Believe it or not. 
And the big question was, always came back to the doubt, that the, the discrepancy over the Word of God. Yeah, but what really is the interpretation of the Word? Well, yeah, there is interpretation, but the Word of God is still the Word of God. In my mind, the Word of God is still the Word of God. It still stands true today. And by the way, um, when there was discrepancy around the Word of God, you know, and I don't want to be too negative, but I probably am being negative and I apologise for that. But some of them didn't even know what, what was in the Word of God. Which is interesting. We've veered so far away from the truth that truth is now something quite different to what we've, you know, to, to what we would have even questioned 20 years ago. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it? So anyway, I think that the reality of, of your life is, you know, what, do, what is God saying? Absolutely. And if you start to question what did God say, you've got to get back to the Word of God as Jesus did to confront the enemy and to confront, get into the warfare, the spiritual battle. You've got to reply back with it is written. It is written. What does the Word of God say about your situation? Did you know the Word of God says about our situation? It's going to be better than what I ever, better than before. How do I know? How do I know? Because God's restoration is far better than what it was. When God wants to restore your life, it's never like it was. It's far better than what it was. When God brought restoration in through Scripture, right through the Israelites, they had to pay back. Whenever when somebody robbed somebody, they had to pay back four or five times. Like if someone stole a sheep, they had to pay back five times. It wasn't just replace a sheep for a sheep. So in God's economy, when restoration begins to take place in your life, I feel like I'm prophesying over some people right now. When restoration comes, it's far better and far greater than what you've ever, ever understood or known before. And when you start to work through your thinking and start to get your thinking in line with the Word of God, restoration begins to happen in your life. When you start to deal with the anxiety and the, the worry and the fear, because anxiety, worry and fear will hold you back into your past. But when you start to work through that and, and, and understand what it is to get into the Word of God and allow the Word of God to renew your mind, restoration will come in such a way. And I'm, I really feel like I'm prophesying this over somebody here this morning. When restoration comes, the power of God comes with it. And when the power of God comes with it, it's far better than any natural fix-up in your life. It becomes a supernatural fix-up in your life and things change forever. Things change forever and there'll be no going back. And you'll look at your circumstance and situation of what has been and you'll go, thank God for that. Look, when I was 17 years of age, I had myalgic encephalomyelitis, Tapanui flu, chronic fatigue, all of those things. They're all the same thing, by the way. But anyway, uh, they, they just had really cool names for it. And so, uh, and so for two years, as a 17-year-old, 18-year-old and 19-year-old, I had this this chronic disease. Now, how many of you know that's a bad situation to be in and a bad circumstance to be in? I had people praying for me. Uh, every day, people were praying for me. Uh, people were believing for the miracle of God, even when I couldn't believe anymore for the miracle of God. Uh, they were praying for me, believing, and, and my mind was playing games on me, absolutely, during that time. Uh, I used to go to support groups. Well, I went once because the doctor referred me to a support group and I went once and I went into that room and I, got, I, I came out sicker. 
because I met people who had been sick for years with this thing. And I thought this is an impossible thing uh, that I could, you know, that there's no, there's no healing, there's no miracle, this is my life. And one day after two years, one day, God touched my life, a miracle happened, I've never ever had it again in my life. God's restoration, yeah, but, but look, that's part of God's plan, God's restoration plan. Now, why didn't He do it the hour after I got it? Why didn't He do it the day after I got it? But I'm t- tell you, I can look back at that and go, I don't think I'd be doing what I was doing, I'm doing today if I hadn't have gone through that experience. If I hadn't gone through that situation. See, see, some of us will get it by revelation, but most of us will get it by situation. You'll get the revelation by situation, right? You've actually got to walk through it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. God was with me when I was sick. God's with me when I'm healthy. But I look back and I go, thank you God for that time, because that time taught me what it was to trust in God, not in my own strength. So in this moment and in this situation that we find ourselves in, I have to get my mind right. I have to keep my mind good. So do you. Whatever you're going, keep your, look, yep, the economy's kind of like, you know, not doing good. Interest rates are going up. Keep your mind right. You don't live on this world's economy. You live on kingdom of kingdom, God's economy. You're, you're on God's economy. That's far different to the world's economy. Far different. But you've got to sow into the kingdom. If you want to reap the kingdom, you've got to sow into the kingdom. Well, how do I do that? Oh, Brent, you're going to ask for money. Aren't you? No, get your thinking. Sow your thinking. Get your thinking right. If you've got a poverty mindset, that's the world's economy. That's the world's spirit. Get a prosperous thinking, get a prosperous mindset, sow into that. Oh, anyway, man, I'm really going off track. I feel like I'm really kind of wanting to, you know, nail some stuff that goes beyond just a Python spirit. It's all part of it. It's understanding that, that we, there is a Python dynamic that's around, that's, that's around our lives and we've got to understand it. And, um, and God gives us the power to break it. You don't live on the world's economy. You live on God's economy. Yeah, but Brent, you've got to still obey the interest rates. Yeah, but believe for God's blessing on your life and favour on your life. Prosper. You know, I kind of love what one politician is, is touting is that, look, we've got to be more productive rather than tax everybody more. Let's be more productive. Now, I'm not going to tell you what party that is. But that's kind of a better thing than taxing, taxing us all more, more and more and more. Anyway, I'm, seriously, I, I'm really going way over. All right, how you doing? You all right? I get, I, yeah, you okay? Okay, so yeah, come on, let's give God some praise this morning. Okay, thank you. I, and, the, and the question is, how are you? How's your thinking? What is it you're struggling with right now? What do you find yourself in right now that you know your mind is not really in a good, healthy place? Come on, why don't you let me pray for you? Just let me pray for you. My mind has not been in healthy places over the last season. I feel like it's in a healthy place now. I'm sleeping better. Um, 
thinking better, uh, you know, so I'm, 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 I guess I'm preaching out of something that I really struggled with uh, over the last few months. And maybe you're still in that struggle. And I hope this word is an encouragement, an encouragement to you. Uh, but for those of you who really want, you know, need to get rid of that fear and that anxiety. And, I, and it's not just, you know, it's not just a necessarily a magical formula. There is work to be done. You've got to sow the kingdom thoughts. You've got to work at it. Can't, you know, it just doesn't come as a, on a platter. You've actually got to change your mind. It's repentance. Some of you may need to repent. Just repent. Just have a change of mind. Saying sorry to God is part of the, part of the way we change our mind. Just being sorry and allowing Him to come and touch your life. Renew your mind. Transforming power of God. It's here right now. So Father, I thank You. Thank you for every person, oh God, in this place that's been struggling with their mindset, been struggling with their thinking, that's been over, you've been overworking, you've been overthinking, you've been overlooking, you've been overdoing some things. You're trying to gain it in your own strength. God's here right now, just rest upon your life. The rest of God, the peace of God, that helps to just, to, as we rest in Him, as we give it over to Him, He takes our pain and He takes our shame and our guilt, the things that we feel condemned about, and we can lift that off right now. We can see, feel that lift happening even this morning. Understanding the grace of God is for you. The power of God comes on your life and helps you to bring a change of mind. And so, Father, I thank You for that change right now. I thank You, Lord God, that You want to bring such a powerful and do such a powerful work in each one's lives here. I pray, Lord God, that there would be nothing holding them back, no limitation, nothing that holds them back. Father, where forgiveness is needed, Lord, we ask for Your forgiveness. Where freedom is needed, we speak freedom in the Name of Jesus. Freedom over that situation, freedom in that circumstance. The fulfilment of God, the fulfilment of the Word of God become a reality in your life as you seek first the Kingdom of God. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Bring healing, bring hope, bring the promise of God, bring the purposes of God. In Jesus' Name, in Jesus' Name. And everybody said, Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website, 